So this is another bedtime podcast. Just lying in my bed, I've got a a relatively fancy microphone. Well, it's not that fancy. Hanging off the headboard just above me so I can just lie down. I can get a reasonable quality podcast. And, you know, I have lots of thoughts pouring in um, just before I'm going to bed. Because, like, you know, like most people, I'm, um, you know, just constantly at it all day. And, um, you know, I think I still don't take enough time out to just allow myself to receive my thoughts and express what they mean, or at least understand what they mean to me. And that's one thing I've learnt throughout my life is, Every thought is relevant. Every thought is a gift. And, you know, that meditation, that meditation technique of um, just following your thoughts until they run out with choiceless awareness where there's no judgment. There's just, you're just observing your thoughts. I think that's a wonderful practice, but I think it misses the point because the point of a thought is Meaning is to uncover the meaning. What does that thought mean? And if you're meditating, you're deciding that it's meaningless. And that's perfect for that kind of thing because that leads into the topic I'm about to talk about, which is a bit deeper than what I've been going in the other audios. But it's about a state of having no body. So the state of having no mind is quite common um, or quite well known to people who do meditation. Um, It's a state of being pure presence. Some people call it the state of being I am, um, which is before the state of I am that. It's the the state of I am, it means that Here and now I am. And that's a state of oneness. It's it's a state of wholeness of that. There's just one thing. And so like a human being lying here in bed, my body, that's one thing. And that's the state of I am. I am. But when you are in, in a state of I am that, It means that I am here and over there is something other than me. So that's a state of separation. I am that. I am that. But what's widely misunderstood is that the state of I am that can come from the perspective of that also being one, you see. Because it's I am that and I am that and I am that. And I am that. And so the perspective to apply that to your body would be that I am. And then looking at your arm and going, I am that. Looking at your other arm, I am that. Looking at your feet, I am that. I am that I am that I am that I am. (laughs) And so from the perspective of knowing that you are, 
you are whole, you are one thing, and you are separate. It's a paradox. Which one's true? Both. (laughs) Which one's false? Both. (laughs) Because from the perspective of I am that, but not this, (laughs) then it invalidates the other perspective, you see. So the paradox is, is it comes from every angle. I am one and I am separate and I am neither (laughs) Uh, and both. (laughs) So it goes four ways. (laughs) I am one and I'm separate and I am both and I am neither and they're all true. And false. <laughs> you got to love paradoxes because it's all just a matter of perspective. It's all a matter of perspective. And you could be, I mean, you could have a conversation with a human being and from their perspective, they're only aware of being an individual that's separate to everything. Does that make their perspective wrong? Of course not. And then you could be having a conversation with an individual who truly experiences their life as being one thing, observing itself in another person, living their life and having a conversation with another human being and experiencing it as connecting with itself. Is that right? Yes and no. It's not right to the person that doesn't have that perspective. And so this is, it's so important that we understand that the universe is a paradox, that every truth is valid. There is no, um, there's no ultimate truth uh, separate to the truth within ourselves. And so, you could feel a truth within yourself that was so true to you. You just knew it. You knew it was true. You could feel it in your bones. You got goosebumps. It resonates. You feel your heart opening. You feel yourself stepping into your power. And then you could express that truth to someone else. And they'd be like, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> Nah, nah. Who's right? (laughs) Both. And who's wrong? Both. And neither. (laughs) And none. (laughs) But can you sense the freedom in that? Because you can just allow it. You can just allow the person who opposes your perspective, just be who they are. They're not wrong from their perspective. Can you express yourself in a way that alters their perspective? Of course. Of course. But you never go into it, launching into it, seeking to invalidate their perspective. That's foolish. It's unaware Um, it's unevolved. And so you 
<laughs> I mean, we see this all the time. I mean, it happens absolutely anywhere. And when we bring this, um, when we bring this method into the aspects of our life where we need consensus between parties, <clears throat> it just becomes a mess. Because everyone has a unique perspective. And unless you can reconcile the um, the disharmony between everyone's perspective in that group, then even if there is verbal consensus, there's still disharmony. And that disharmony will play out in the long run. So it's in everyone's best interest that you always begin with the ideal scenario from everyone involved, and then you fill in the space. What's your ideal scenario? This. What's your ideal scenario? That. You know, there could be 12 people in the room. Everyone lays out their ideal scenario, and then you reconcile back from there. But you never, you never get yourself into a scenario where you've reached consensus, but people have held back their, their ideal scenario. And so that disharmony will have to play out in the experiences of everyone involved. Because the highest potential is programmed into the being of everyone. <laughs> so unless you enable everyone to express that straight away, the universe and your nature and the nature of everyone is seeking it anyway. And so any resistance you have to it being revealed will just be shattered. And it will be, you know, it could be painful, humiliating, embarrassing, you know, all these things when you could have just shared yourself in the beginning. And, you know, sharing yourself, it, it's not, you know, lots of people think, you know, they say that, um, you know, I didn't feel comfortable expressing myself or um, so-and-so didn't invite me to this. And, you know, it is no one's uh, job um, to make it easy other than yours. You know, it, it's your responsibility to share yourself and um, muster the courage to experience the consequences of that. If you have to allow yourself to feel vulnerable and that feels extremely uncomfortable, that's no one else's responsibility. Because the truth, the ultimate truth, is that the environment that you're within and attempting to express yourself in and not feeling comfortable doing so um, is already a, a mirror of your own state of consciousness. So it, it, it's very well to say, oh, if only this person this, if this person just altered their behavior, if that person just altered their behavior, the universe is always reflecting your state. So you can want that as much as you want. But if you don't reconcile your own disharmony, your own dinner in a discord, 
the part of you that is resistant to being vulnerable with the part of you that actually does want to share themselves, then the environment will never mirror harmony back to you. And if, if you think within yourself, or I, or I just need someone else to make it easier, or I just need a man to create space for me, well, what you'll find yourself doing is manipulating people. Because if people are, if you're in an environment where people are just following their nature, um, then everyone gets taken care of. It's like in the ecosystem that's thriving. The uniqueness of every aspect of that ecosystem is what enables it to thrive. Now, it's almost a paradox, not really, but you've got a scenario where it the diversity enables it to be diverse. <laughs> but it's actually, it, it's truly the uniqueness of everything. The uniqueness of what it expresses into that ecosystem. And that's what the universe is wanting from you. It's wanting you to express your uniqueness. And so if you are not comfortable bearing your soul, if you're withholding yourself and not sharing it, then the universe is always seeking to crack that open. And that's when the universe starts feeling antagonistic and um, like it's probing you, you know, through people. But... Um, it's really up to you. Um, you know, and the, the more habit forming it becomes to when you feel an emotion to sink into that emotion until it, until it, until you can determine what it means. You know, you feel it. Oh, this means that there's a part of me that's afraid of being humiliated. What does it mean to be humiliated? It means if I'm humiliated, it means. Oh, what does that mean? You see, the, the idea of how it may turn out is so much worse than the truth of it. What does it mean to be humiliated? To be humiliated means you're disconnected from yourself. If you were to look at a state of being totally empowered in the truth of who you are, and you reveal yourself and share yourself with someone that is a state of being in your power and expressing the truth of who you are you're not holding it back you're just expressing you're allowing your nature to arise and here I am <laughs> and so humiliation is when you withhold that when you withhold yourself and I think you know from my own personal experience um you know, I've felt humiliation many times in my life, and it's because I'm trying to hide. It always happens when I'm trying to hide myself. And, um, you know, when you're trying to hide yourself, you're always trying to avoid being humiliated. <laughs> but it's the the thing you're afraid of is, is because you're trying to hide. So it's an interesting one. Because it's it's such an invisible barrier. You know, the fear of being humiliated, it's crippling. But it's it's your it's because you're withholding yourself 
that causes it to rise. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> easy to say, but it doesn't matter how many times you tell yourself in your head, oh, if I just bear my soul completely in this environment, it'll just be fine because it doesn't feel fine. And, uh, yeah, but, you know, there's lots of really um, annoying spin-offs from withholding your nature because um, it means that you're abandoning yourself, you know. And so, you know, you get other spin-off things like, you know, having a fear of abandonment that when, that when the reality is that you're just constantly abandoning yourself and, you know, you're actually trying to get people to commit to you in order to negate your fear of abandonment. But meanwhile, you're still abandoning yourself all the time. So, you know, you can see how these things all are kind of interconnected and all linked together. Um, but ultimately, you know, from my own experiences, that stepping out and allowing your nature to arise, expressing the truth of it, is actually the only way to negate, um, you know, that fear of humiliation. And um, in the beginning, it it just takes courage. It just takes courage. And, you know, if, if it's like, um, you know, when it's like, like when I started this podcast, you know, I was, um, I still had lots of fear. It more, my fear was more around fear of persecution, fear of being rejected, fear of being shunned, um, you know, due to past experiences I've had at, you know, at school and um, expressing my truth in certain environments, you know, with school teachers and, um, you know, I'm very challenging by nature and you can probably tell I've got some really out there views and, and those, those views mean that I'm very unusual to other people. And, um, you know, some of my beliefs are very triggering to certain people and, um, you know, I, I don't want to trigger people, but I want to be myself even more. And, you know, this podcast has actually been extremely cathartic because, um, you know, I'm just not trying to please anyone. I'm just, it, it's really a vehicle for me to express myself in, in the way that I want to without, um, even considering how someone else is going to respond to it. I'm not trying to do anything. I'm not trying to get people to change. I'm not trying to invalidate them, tell them, tell them they're wrong, but I'm just relentlessly expressing my truth. And it just feels really good. <laughs> it feels really good. And, you know, I don't want you to think that I'm like this perfect enlightened being because I, I'm just not. You know, I'm, I still have fear of humiliation. I still hide myself away. Um, you know, I'm still, I still try to fit in in lots of circumstances because I still feel so weird and strange. Um, and these things are normal, you know. And, you know, what I've come to learn is that your, your authority is not in um, other people validating that you're really knowledgeable or that, you know, you're at the pinnacle of this or you're really brilliant or all that kind of stuff. You just, your authority is in expressing your truth. And so, 
the best example I can give of that is that to express your truth is to show that you are inauthentic and authentic. That's what claiming your authority is. It's that in this moment, this is my truth, and I'm holding fear in this moment, and I'm allowing you to see it. This is who I am now. That's how you claim your authority. Rather than trying to get people to validate that you're just perfect or, you know, you're just incredible, you're flawless, that you know everything. (laughs) No one does because everything is valid and invalid. (laughs) You know, a, a truth only lasts for as long as the new perspective arising in relation to that truth. So to just to to ever say that this is the truth, this is the truth, and and to to hold that perspective of a teacher and student, thinking that you have something to teach someone, inferring that they don't know something that you do, a truth. And you know what I predict for the future for our schools and for the nature of our classrooms is that. We won't have teachers in the future. We'll just have facilitators, you know, that, who will facilitate the nature of the of, of the unique being unfolding. And their job will be to try and identify how that nature wants to unfold, and um, to you know lay breadcrumbs in front of that child to see where they go. You know, this and the teacher's just going this. Well, how about this? Oh, you like that? How about this? What, what does that mean to you? What what are you interested in about this thing? What is it about this thing that you're interested in? And you just allow the curiosity to guide them. Another breadcrumb, another breadcrumb. Just allow the curiosity to take the child. And, <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, of course, you know, the, the, you know, the, the basics so they can integrate into society, of course. But it's like you don't convey it from the perspective of this is how you do it. This is what mathematics is. You're, so, you're saying this is my approach to mathematics. You know, everyone uses it in society. Um, this is my approach to mathematics. This is how I learned how to um, do a calculation. This is how I was taught to do a regression analysis. And so what you're, what you're doing is you're just saying to the child, something better could emerge one day. You, you could even come up with an even better way to calculate this. So you're never so arrogant as to say, this is the best way to do it that there ever will be. <laughs> because, you know, as we're evolving and a lot of parents who have um, children with autism um, or, you know, highly gifted children, um, they'll know this, that the way children are evolving is that they're processing from the fourth dimension. So we operate in the third dimension and, 
So children can get the answers to mathematical equations without actually calculating because the answer just arises in in their imagination and they trust it. And, you know, (laughs) this is nature arising. This is evolution. We're even, even coming to understand that we exist on dimensions that, um, you know, many of us are unable to even perceive, but there are many, many people that can perceive these dimensions and actively engage with them and utilize them to reach higher and higher potential, as I keep saying over and over. <laughs> but that's what this podcast is about. So, yeah, it feels like this podcast just ended up being a jam session, really. Um, I could feel I wanted to talk about something but wasn't really sure what direction it was going to go in. And, you know, I think I think the topic of education and, um, you know, how we enable children to follow their nature in schools and, um, you know, how parents free themselves up to, um, you know, make life easier on themselves just through understanding the potential of the children better. Um because, yeah, I mean, there's so much I want to talk about. It'll, it'll just go on and on and on. So that's it for now. I'm going to get some sleep. Catch you soon.